Bam. Bam. Wham, bam. I did it. Wham, bam. I am a man. Job or no job. You can't tell me that I'm not. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. One day, uh, I'll own that song. <laughs> That's my <laughs> life goal. To one day own the wham rap. To just have it be yours? Yeah. Like, I own all the, the rights. <laughs> I guess that's a good goal to have. Yeah, I think it's not like so achievable, but it's but not it's the not hardest impossible. thing in the world. Yeah, it it it's something to challenge yourself with that you know is possible. I'm not trying to be the first man on Mars. I just want to own the Wham Rap. <laughs> I just want to own the Wham Rap. Is that so wrong? <laughs> I just want to collect funds every time someone uses the song, which is rare. <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask for. People don't use it that much. It's a really good song. (laughs) It's a real good song, and you just want royalties every now and then for it. Guys, it's a really good song. (laughs) For this song you had nothing to do with. I just want some money. Not even all. You can relate. Yeah. Wham can still get most. (laughs) I just want a little bit. I guess. I just want some. I want to I want to be able to give Wham their money. <laughs> that's what I want. I think that's fair. No one else <laughs> is going to fight you for it. Let's just let's just get into it. Uh okay. let's just let's just jump right in. Okay. Hello and welcome to Telling the Tale. I'm your host Mitchell Farley Wolf and as per usual, I am joined by my co-host Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? Guten Tag, Mitchell Wolf. How are you doing this week? I'll, to answer your question before you answer mine, I'm doing pretty well this week. Oh, cool. I'm doing pretty, uh, guten. <laughs> I guess, is that, I don't know, German. I'm, I'm guten pretty tog today. I'm guten a few togs here and there. And, <laughs> uh, of course, it makes sense that we're speaking in German because we just played Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space Episode 203, Night of the Raving Dead. The third and middle chapter in the second season of Sam and Max. Dustin, just before we do anything, what'd you think? I liked it a lot. I I think this episode has a lot going for it. At the same time, it doesn't feel like a very high-profile episode, I guess. Like... It feels kind of more down low than normal, while at the same time, it I, I just like a lot about it. You have lots of returning characters in this one, lots of cool scenery, uh, memorable new characters. Uh, it's, it's a very strong episode, even if I don't necessarily think I would put it in, like, the absolute top tier of Sam and Max episodes. Maybe, like, second tier. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it, because this episode does have so much going for it. I think there are really memorable moments. It has um, it has a cold open with Sam and Max about to be killed by a vampire, and it, it it's my favorite opening, I think, that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's and... the only time we've had uh, an opening that starts in the middle of the case and then flashes back to the beginning. For half of the episode, Sam and Max become zombies. That's pretty wild and different. <laughs> and you have a hard time talking to people after that. Yeah, there, a there's zombie. a lot of 
there's a lot of interesting stuff in this episode. I think I just don't put it up there with like the absolute top of the top because I don't know, maybe it's just because it doesn't feel like it really contributes that much to the story as a whole, I guess. Like, I don't want to use the word filler. That's a bad word to use. But it kind of feels like an episode where if you wanted, you could probably skip it. So I sort of remember... I mean, I do remember where this season goes in the next two episodes. I know what those next two episodes are about. I don't exactly remember the full diagram of basically what we were getting at with Hugh Bliss in the last season and how his plan exactly worked. I don't remember how the things come together in this season. So mm -hmm. uh, I I didn't realize this episode was filler until you said that and then I thought about it. But I guess you're right. I don't know how much of this episode is going to uh, impact the season as a whole. Yeah. That said, as a middle episode, that's kind of what it should be doing, kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still fun. I personally, I wouldn't skip it, but, you know, it's it's just, if you do, you're not going to miss that much overall. Yeah, especially because I guess the last episode had more to do with the overall plot of the thing, and I would skip that one if I were going to skip yeah. one of them. But this one, it, this one just has so much in it that's nice, and it has some funny lines. The yeah. music in this episode is really good. I there were like a couple times where I was like, "Whoa, I like this music." Yeah, I I'm always like that. <laughs> I'm yeah. always liking music here and there. Yeah, I mean, Sam and Max overall has wonderful music all the time, but like this episode in particular, there were at least a couple where I was like, "Ooh, I might need to." listen to that one on its own later um so this episode is all about um uh, the fear inside each of us i think you could say what are we afraid of we're afraid zombies. of uh, zombies <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing uh, it's the it, one it, thing that brings us all together this season has been much more um heavy on the use of its themes than last season and this episode is no exception, with the first episode of the season being a Christmas episode, and then Rapa Nui was sort of like an island vacation sort of theming thing. I mm -hmm. guess that was the weakest one. That will be the weakest one out of all of the five as we go yeah. through him. I think it'll be the weakest one of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this one is all about horror uh, stuff, especially classic horror movies. Most notably, Dracula, Frankenstein, and Night of the Living Dead. Eek! Eek, yeah, I'm afraid of those. Do you like horror movies? No, I'm not. Well, it's weird. I'm not a big horror movie guy, but I am into, like, spooky-themed fun things. Mm. Like, you you know I'm a big fan of the video game Grab by the Ghoulies. Yeah, that is uh, a thing about you. Yeah, I say that every day. Um... That, but, like, also Mad Monster Mansion and Banjo-Kazooie. I, I, I just like things that are themed around spooky horror. You know that show Scooby-Doo? Yeah. That's like that. <laughs> oh, kind of, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a dog in it. It's weird that Scooby-Doo is definitely a horror show, but I've I've never associated horror with Scooby-Doo that well, much. Well, it's... it's not even the least bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if it was scarier in the 60s, in the late 60s when it came out. 
Well, you know what's weird about... Okay, divergent into uh, Scooby-Doo for a second. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's weird about it is some of the, I want to say, 90s era Scooby-Doo uh, still animated movies mm-hmm. actually do get weirdly into how much horror they're doing. Like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, which is Ghost. Which those. is Ghost? Yeah, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost was the second one after Zombie Island. Oh, is that a ghost of a witch? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there was one I remember, I don't know the names, but they, uh, it, I think it was vampire-themed, and they were in his, uh, like, mansion to stay for a while. That one I remember being weirdly, as a kid watching at least, weirdly like, hey, this is more than the show. This is more than the show. <laughs> like a, a a bit a bit jarring. Viewer beware, you're in for a scare. Hey, how come every episode of every show, it's not a real monster, but every movie is a real monster? Well, they were real monsters in the movies for a long time. I think recently they started like cracking down. <laughs> I'm like the the higher ups were like, look, we can't have any more real monsters. They are so expensive in the budget. <laughs> Do you know how expensive it is to get a real skeleton that moves? Um, Scoob, the movie Scoob. I haven't seen Scoob. Is is it a real monster? Um, yeah, but the thing about Scoob is it's not really a Scooby Doo movie. <laughs> In what way? It's more... This is a movie with Scooby-Doo in it, Dustin. I'm going to have to put my foot down. That's a Scooby-Doo it is a, movie. It's, it is a movie with Scooby-Doo in it, but the focus is more... The plot is more about Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly is the villain in this movie. This movie is more concerned with uh, starting a Hanna-Barbera shared universe. What? Rather than... Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing about this movie. It's like a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe rather than a Scooby-Doo mystery movie. Because, like, Velma, <laughs> Velma, Fred, and Daphne, like, barely do anything in this movie. They're sidelined for most of it. But you have Scooby and Shaggy, and they meet up with the Blue Falcon and Dynamut, who are other Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And then there's also, uh, I want to say her name is Dee Dee from Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Um, I don't even and, know any of that. What that is, Captain yeah. Caveman and the Teen Angels. Yeah, they meet. That's it's a Hanna Barbera show in the seventies or eighties. I forget which, but they meet Captain Caveman himself later on. And there were plans to have more Hanna Barbera stuff in it. They were gonna have like Jabberjaw, Adamant, uh, Johnny Quest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they had big plans for it, and they scaled it back. Scooby and Shaggy are meant to be the stars, but yeah, Daphne, Velma, and Fred are barely in it, and the villain is Dick Dastardly, who, his plot is, he's trying to collect, like, the skulls of dogs or something. Skulls of... (laughs) Should I watch this movie? No, it's not good. I mean, you can if you want. I watched it. (laughs) Is, okay, wait, hang on. (laughs) 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 <laughs> to take a step back is every warner brothers movie every single one going to be about every single warner brothers movies like franchise from now on it's going to are all of them just going to be crossovers basically yeah scoob uh space jam 
That's they're crossovers, they but it seems like they're starting from ground zero every time. Yeah. I don't know how well Scoob did, so I don't know if they're going to continue that. The shitty thing is, like, I would love a Hanna-Barbera shared universe more than anything in the world. I... <laughs> but okay. they just... more than they anything? Just, <laughs> more than anything. That's a little hyperbolic, but... Uh, yeah, it just wasn't very good. Barely any Scooby-Doo things in it. They make they screw up Shaggy. How do you mess up Shaggy, one of the easiest characters to get? He's bad in this. Does he smoke any pot? No, but he's voiced by Will Forte, and he doesn't do a great job. Will Forte, that's yeah. strange. I love Will Forte, but he is not a good Shaggy. I wonder why that happened because matthew lillard isn't like a small time actor and he's always down to do it right like the whole thing was they wanted to get celebrities to voice the characters but matthew lillard already does movies he's already there yeah huh uh they did keep frank welker for scooby uh anyway i this is a sam and max (laughs) podcast you know i would actually love to get into this but i don't think this is the venue Uh, (laughs) well it it kind of relates because they're both about mystery solving dogs. Ooh, good good call. I wonder uh, if Scooby Doo and Sam have ever met each other, and uh, I don't mean in a movie. I know that hasn't happened. <laughs> I just mean on the streets. Just yeah, off camera. <laughs> <laughs> they just said hi. They talked for a little bit, and they went on their way. So, um, with that cold open. You get uh, Jurgen explaining some of his master plan that doesn't really make sense to the player at all the time. And then Sam says, Damn you, Jurgen! In a really cool way that makes Sam seem weirdly cool. And then <laughs> uh, then it enters the flashback, which is the entire rest of the episode up to that point. Right. And so we go back in time a little waves. Yeah, and it does the title screen at that point. The title screen this episode... Uh, continues to give alternate names of the episode. Did you catch the one this time? I did. Is it? Wasn't it something like Sam and Max fight a villain who sucks? Sam and Max meet a guy who sucks. That's the one. Because yeah. he's a vampire. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I honestly did not get the vampire pun at first. So I thought they were just saying like, "Yeah, this oh. guy sucks," <laughs> which is <laughs> almost funnier. Um, but yeah, there's now zombies attacking the street and um you guys you guys being sam and max uh (laughs) need to find out what's up with that and by asking around you can uh determine that these zombies are coming from stuttgart germany where the zombie factory is (laughs) uh what do you think of this opening segment uh i think it's good one of my favorite things about this whole episode is how just how weirdly casual everyone is about the zombies. No one seems to mind them or care, which I guess is fine because none of the zombies seem to do that much. Yeah, Sam and Max maybe care the most in that they're trying to stop it, but they're not really... Their blood pressure is not raised about it. They're just going to keep on doing whatever they're doing. Yeah, if you if you talk to the zombies in the, in the street, Sam's just like, scram, deadbeat. Yeah. They're, um, they're just like a nuisance, a pest. Something I like about how the zombie attack transforms the street is that you're 
forced to reckon with just how destroyed the street has become since you started like episode 101 <laughs> some buildings are completely missing the uh giant robot that tried to attack is blocking one exit of the street there's zombies just rambling everywhere everything's destroyed bosco's is now locked up that's new for this episode you can't enter bosco's yeah this is the first episode with no bosco yeah but it is the first episode in season two where you can visit Sybil in her own office. It's the it, first time we get to go back off. to the office. Um, and Sybil's new job, which hasn't been something she's been doing for a little while, is <laughs> finding dates for herself. <laughs> what a what a job. A lot of people are applying. Yeah, Sybil's in demand now that uh, she's lost the old ball and chain. I would love to just set up an office and uh, do what Sybil's doing here and just try to get dates for myself <laughs> to come Take apply. a number. Yeah. That <laughs> that seems fun. That seems like a I'll, really fun diversion. Take a number. I'll be with you after all these other applicants. Um, <laughs> well, so uh, at first she's interviewing Harry Mullman for <laughs> the position. And if you talk to Sybil, she gives away the fact that she's sort of thinking of Harry as not a real candidate. Um, but <laughs> He's a she's pity just candidate. Being, yeah, she's just being polite. Yeah. Makes me Good feel a little bad for Harry Mullman, but also he kind of sucks, so I get it. Yeah, he brings it upon himself. Yeah, he doesn't suck in just a way that's unattractive. He sucks in a way that is, like, a bad person, so that's that's fine. He He's kind of like down low a shitty person he's not like outwardly like mean or rude to people but like if you talk to him he there's some not so greatness inside of him yeah um well part of the episode later on hinges on his intolerance <laughs> that's true now it happens to be his intolerance of zombies which i think if we all look inside ourselves we might find that we also are intolerant of zombies um yeah y you know I feel like it's understandable. <laughs> yeah, I I think, um, you know, I, I, I try to be open to all creeds and kinds <laughs> on this show, but uh, I don't mess around with zombies. I don't do it. Yeah, I, I think that's where I got to draw the line. I try to stay out of the zombie part of town. They do their thing. I'll do my thing. Yeah. Um, so once you, you talk to enough people, I don't remember who exactly tells you, but someone... Uh, informs you that the zombie factory, where all these zombies are coming from, is in Stuttgart, Germany. I think the cops tell you. Um. Oh, that's true, yeah. And if you do talk to the cops, you find that Bluster Blaster has a great new voice. <laughs> He's had an injury of some sort, and yeah, things, they don't... things are different now. They don't go into it, but... While before he was just screaming at the top of his lungs about anything, now he's really down low and mild-mannered and everything. Yeah. I think it's fine. I love Bluster Blaster, but I'm fine with him trying some new things out. Yeah, I remember um, on the forum, the Telltale.com forum, where uh, people were discussing what was going to happen with the game. Uh, Jared Emerson Johnson actually uh, stepped in to the thread at oh, really? one point when people were talking about uh, the the new voice for Buster Blaster because he voices that arcade machine. 
Mm-hmm. And he voices he, all of them. He said, yeah, every time I would go into the studio to record lines for uh, Buster, I... Is it Buster or Bluster? I think it's Buster Blaster. Buster Blaster. Okay, every time I stu- stepped into the studio for Buster Blaster, uh, I just have to yell at the top of my lungs, and I had a solo in some opera coming up. Wow. So I couldn't do it anymore. So I asked the team to rewrite Buster Blaster for the next few episodes to not scream all the time. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's very interesting. That's a... Uh... That's good reasoning for it, and it gives us some uh, funny potential. Yeah, uh, I don't remember if he ever goes back, uh, but now he I'm going to be on the does. lookout. He, he does, does go back. Okay, uh, I, re- I, I know it lasts at least a couple episodes, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. He, he has got a great voice that uh, sort of reminds me a little bit of some voices in uh, the uh, the Homestar Runner universe. Uh, especially like when whenever Homestar is drunk or really tired, he's he kind of talks a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah, he says, "Thanks for stopping by, you guys. Thanks for breaking my cow lamp." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. Actually, that's the exact <laughs> line I was I had in my head. That's the new Buster Blaster voice. Um, <laughs> but they tell you that the zombies are coming from Stuttgart, so you go up to Stuttgart. You can drive there, of course. It's, uh, of course, you can just get there. Yeah, you can just get there. There's no ocean to worry about. Um, and it turns out that it's a nightclub. The zombie factory is a nightclub, uh, and Superball is guarding the door, which is fun. Yeah, this episode brings back so many favorites. Like, obviously it comes down to just needing to reuse character models they already have, but it's fun seeing who will come back. I think Superball is also Jared Emerson Johnson. I don't think he is. I remember looking in the I remember looking in the credits and seeing who it was. I don't remember the name, but I don't think it was him. But I could also be wrong. Maybe think I'm thinking of a different character. I think it's fun that a lot of the um, the voice actors at studios like this are also musical. This is this seems to be a trend within the uh, video game industry. Like how the voice of Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong 64 is the composer, Grant Kirkhope? Yeah. Um, it makes sense since Grant did, like, all the sound design in... I don't know if he did it all in DK64, but I know he did music and sound effects for, like, the Banjo-Kazooie game. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if he was in charge of voices. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like, yeah, music is sound, uh, so voice Good is enough. sound. Yeah, get someone in there. Same thing. (laughs) Close Uh, enough. So you can trick your way into the the, the nightclub, and then you'll meet Jürgen, who is a flamboyantly, stereotypically gay German nightclub raver guy. Is he stereotypically gay, though? I don't think he is. He just comes across to me as like... A a guy who is trying his hardest to be cool. Um. Well, that is also part of his personality, but Max does call him fruity. That's true. That's not great, Max. I'll let it slide <laughs> since it was 2008, but... I guess. 
Yeah, hopefully um, don't do that now. Yeah, it, it's I, I don't think any of it is mean about the yeah. the the flamboyantness of Jurgen. I think people or or uh Sam and Max in particular are just annoyed with him because of how like trendy he's trying to be. Yeah. Uh which is genuinely annoying, <laughs> but I yeah. I uh, I like that in the character. I love your I think Jurgen's one of the most memorable uh Telltale Sam and Max characters. Whoa. His, uh, High bar. His yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's the best character, but I'm, I do think he's very memorable. He's one of the ones I remembered from, like, my last playthrough back when the game came out. Were we saying last episode that we really didn't like the head of Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, Abraham Lincoln was our uh, not guy of the week <laughs> last yeah, our, week. Our, our un-guy. Um, our un-guy. Not a fun guy. He, yeah, he got, he does kind of suck, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, he's in this episode too, in a very, uh, small protracted role compared to the past few episodes. And I, I don't know why I was thinking of him except for just like how much I don't like Telltale's, uh, Lincoln compared to how much I do like Jurgen and other characters like Jurgen. Yeah, it's, it's weird because even in this episode, Abe Lincoln, well, <laughs> the stone head of Abraham Lincoln. Right. Is not great in this episode. Like he's he is wallowing in despair in Stinky's diner saying like, oh, oh, Sybil, I was a fool. But then you talk to him more and he's like, I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> and, and and Max says something like. Uh, oh, I forget the exact line, but he was saying how uh, Abe Lincoln was, uh, you know, macking on the Moai heads. Yeah. He was saying something. He said something like, uh, why can't you be as hot as those Moai heads? And Abe says, uh, that was taken completely out of context. Yeah, which is it's hard to do that. Yeah, it's it's it a was. funny it's a funny line, but it doesn't make him look like a better person. I think he was lying. Yeah. <laughs> I think it wasn't taken out of context. There kinda is just the one context. Yeah. <laughs> um so both inside and outside the zombie factory, Stuttgart is such a better environment in, in how they've rendered it, how the the art has all come together on it than Rapa Nui. Like by so much. Right? The, I love how this I can't wait to see how this looks in the remaster. Yeah, this oh, especially inside the club. Yeah, I I mm -hmm. bet they're going to do a lot of cool lighting stuff with like the the spotlights and stuff. Um but it's it's amazing how just just how much better the this episode is in general just than one the last episode, episode. Up. yeah mm -hmm. there's so much going for it there's like neat little puzzles here and there i love the story of this episode the characters are very memorable yeah definitely um so you need to the object of this half of the level is to make jurgen seem less cool so you can shine a uh, sun lamp on him and then he like gets hurt by it and has to leave the dance floor, which makes him less cool. Um, you can challenge him to a rhyme off, in which case you will lose unless you make Max drink some holy water beforehand. Because if Max has some holy water in him and then... Uh, Jurgen takes the stage. Jurgen will drink Max's blood, 
and then have holy water in him and he's a vampire so he doesn't like that um that's that's a weird thing that's like a weird uh uh little puzzle but i like it it's yeah it's fun i like it i i don't know what made it just click for me like this was a puzzle I feel like if I were younger I would have had to think about a little harder but just right away I was like Yeah. I was like bam holy water take it back to the thing Max was in at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the water from what do you call that thing he was bathing in? Uh, it's it's just it's some like a ho- holy it, artifact. It, yeah, it's like a pumpkin but they uh <laughs> I I don't know. It's the thing from the last episode with the ocean yeah. chimps. Yeah, I I like that they bring that back. I think it's cool that something from the last episode gets to be a part of a much better episode. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and, and the way you get the holy water is you take regular water and then you have Max bless it because last episode he became a priest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um the the my favorite puzzle probably in the episode is the third way that you make Jurgen less yes. cool. I 100% agree. <laughs> Which is, you find out that Germany has been really into uh, Midtown Cowboys, of which there is only one episode. We we find out that in this episode. <laughs> that there is only one episode of Midtown Cowboys. Yeah, when we, when we were doing episode two, for some reason I was under the impression that this show had been going for a while, but the stars were locked in Myra's, so Sam and Max had to fill in. But no, that was the... That was the pilot they were recording. I don't know why I thought this was an already ongoing show, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and everyone in Germany is just really into this one episode of Midtown Cowboys that keeps airing on repeat. And that's <laughs> that's it. That's the entire episode. It's um, such a good... Everything about this joke is just great. So, <laughs> the the end goal here is you trying to make Jürgen smoke the garlic clove cigarettes... Which are are unhealthy for him because he is a vampire. And also because <laughs> yeah, cigarettes why... are bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so you'll <laughs> you get to go back to WARP, the television station, from episode two of season one. It's been a really long time since we saw this area and all these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh and you need to film a very special episode of Midtown Cowboys that specifically advertises a product and you can switch out the product it was going to be which is like malt liquor with the garlic clove cigarettes i think it's so cool to go back and do this again like i yeah you were saying way back when back in the day that episode two is probably your least favorite of season one right um yes um it it was pretty down there for me too, but I think it's I I totally forgot that you go back there and I was overjoyed. I was like, "Whoa, the TV studio! I remember this place." I guess it helps that it's just the one puzzle too. It's just one puzzle in in an episode where you're going to more interesting places. But it was so cool to just go back there and do another Midtown Cowboys. For yeah, a I puzzle. Think, I think it was also cool because in the Midtown Cowboys set, you see the uh, poker table from the first telltale game off to the side and we've already seen that but now in this podcast we've already played telltale texas hold'em it was kind of cool to see that yeah now we can look at the screen and say i get that reference i've been there (laughs) (laughs) uh 
also just to see Mr. Featherly again, who was a chicken named Philo Pennyworth, but who has changed his name to his character's name, Mr. Featherly, just because of the <laughs> success in Germany of the show. Yeah, Midtown Cowboys is so popular that he's just legally changed his name to the character. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then that's it. <laughs> then you leave and those things don't come <laughs> up again. Well, Mr. Featherly does. Mr. Featherly does, that's correct. Um, but the the, st- the set and the director and the show... <laughs> You, you've you've apparently you've been apparently getting calls for like months, getting asking you to come back, but Max has been uh, deleting the messages on their answering machine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, of course he is. Like, there's so many uh, messages on that answering machine without him doing that, so <laughs> it makes sense that the one like lucrative job they could get <laughs> just doesn't. It doesn't rise to the surface. They get a lot of calls. I yeah, mean, in I this wonder, episode, it's all Sybil, but still. I wonder how much money they have. Yeah. Do you think I they mean, have they ha- zero dollars or more than that? Um, I mean, they have to keep their office somehow, so. I guess, but I don't think they pay rents. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd believe that. Well, Max is the president. Yeah. They probably don't have to. I I don't think that's how rent works. <laughs> hey, I know you're the president, but uh come on. <laughs> come on, buddy. I need some money. <laughs> this uh, water bill ain't going to pay itself. <laughs> if you do all of those things, uh the zombies turn on Jurgen and he runs away and you can follow him into a secret lab where it turns out uh two different things. He's trying to make a Frankenstein's monster just because, um, I, I think just because it fulfills the trope. Yeah, just because it's part of the the Halloween-y horror vibe. I wonder if Jürgen was asked about his monster, if he would even say like, oh, yeah, you know, I just thought that's something I was supposed to do <laughs> with my <laughs> vibe. Yeah, it's just, you know, part of the whole thing. And also, uh, he traps you in there. He puts you in his soul sucker, which kills you and rips the soul from your body, um, which is the the make good on the cold open. So now we're all caught up to that situation. And then the screen says, you are dead and you die and become a zombie for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I like that you get to be a zombie the whole episode. It mixes things. I like that once you're a zombie, you can communicate with the other zombies, but you can't talk to anyone else. Not that it matters, since everyone kind of gets the gist of what you're saying anyway. Yeah. It, it's great. I love that. Um, it feels very different from everything else in the uh, in the game, or, or in, the, uh, in the season or series, really, so far. It's a very one-off mechanic to die and have your soul ripped from you and have to get your soul back. <laughs> but then that's what you're trying to do, uh, and you find out that you can get your soul back if you use an item that Sybil has called the Soul uh, Soul Mater. It mates souls with bodies. She thinks that she wants to use it for some like romantic thing, but that's not even how it works. But you need to steal it from her. But in order to do that, you need to set her up with a guy, uh, which is going to be Jurgen's monster. Uh, what do you think He's... of the character Jurgen's monster? I love him. 
He's great. He's such a good... Like, the design is just kind of fun and weird and different. Uh, you can change his body parts. Um, his voice is very... His voice is very like this. Very typical... Uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, old Rankin-Bass, like, Mad Monster Party. It's pronounced uh, it's... Frankenstein. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it does. He's he's very of that era in terms of tone. Yeah, his design is very simple, but I like it. Like, he has very small, beady eyes. He just has, like, a mouth that kind of flaps open. Yeah, and it's between him, Mr. Featherly, and Harry Mullman to win Sybil's heart. And then later, <laughs> when, uh, when Harry ex- is exposed in a very funny scene uh, for being intolerant against zombies... They make him, like, do the walk of shame out of the office. <laughs> no music or sounds or anything. He just walks slow, lifts his head up to look at Sybil, who's looking down at him disapprovingly as yeah. he just shuffles his way out. Yeah, I wrote down in my uh, notes, Sybil expected better from Harry. <laughs> to be fair, that's more on Sybil than anything. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so then Harry leaves and then is replaced in the contest, which isn't how that should work that should just like narrow down the contest but i (laughs) i didn't make her contest uh he's replaced by superball now superball wants a girlfriend who um i don't think that should uh jive with his marriage so well he was talking earlier in the episode about how he was married in this specific episode yeah if you talk to him at the door when he's uh you know guarding his door he'll talk about how uh, he was doing door work when his second kid was born. And, uh, oh, I guess that might have been the impotence for uh, his wife leaving him. But it seemed like they were still married. I guess we never really thought too hard about uh, Super Bowl's family life. No, he he is more of a door guy than a family guy. He's really hey, into doors. you it's said all, it. You got. said family guy. I'm taking one off on the counter. All right, three more, and we actually have to do a Family Guy episode. <laughs> um, but the the way you can make Jurgen's monster win is that you can change his hand, heart, and brain out with other things in the game. Uh, you end up putting Jesse James's hand, who which has been uh, hung up in the office since Sam and Max hit the road in 1993, and you can use that finally on the monster and you just put it on his hand uh you you get the real abraham lincoln's brain yeah abraham lincoln comes back as a zombie the real one not the stonehead one yeah and uh flint paper shoots his brain out whoops yeah that's a whoopsie from flint and you (laughs) take his uh (laughs) you take his brain and you can put it in jurgen and of course sybil likes that because it's abraham lincoln and you can is this the first time that uh flint paper is like directly involved with the actual story i don't i think in the first two episodes he's just kind of off to the side i think this is is. the only time he interacts with like the main storyline of the episode yeah because in the first episode he's just in that hole in the wall in sam and max's office and in the second episode he's in stinky's diner looking out the window watching bosco yeah the whole time and uh, um, this is the first time he's actually doing stuff. Yeah, we should clarify that uh, 
so at the beginning, Jesse James's hand is stolen by one of the zombies, but later on in the episode, it escapes from the zombie, seems to be zombified itself. And this is what you do in Stinky's Diner in this episode, because the yeah. the reanimated hand of Jesse James uh, has a gun and is holding a Stinky hostage. Yeah, and uh, you can save Stinky by shooting the gun, which doesn't, or shooting um, the hand, which does not hit the hand, but the hand shoots back, which the recoil of pushes the hand back. You can direct it into stinky's new gooey black tar cake which is uh advertised to taste just like the la brea tar pits look wow sign me up yeah i want to eat the la brea tar pits <laughs> i've been there once and uh it was it was sticky did you look at the tar pits and say boy i wish i could eat that i you know there actually is a certain amount of wanting to bite it <laughs> <laughs> that that is real it's like well i well i'm here i'm never gonna get this opportunity again yeah there's some things that uh just exist out there in the world that you know you can't eat and you know you can't take a bite of but uh boy do you want to take a bite of that's one of them <laughs> boy uh, i hope i get to go to the la brea tar pit someday and want to eat it <laughs> you can it's not hard you, you can just do it wow thanks mitch uh, the heart that you put in Jurgen's monster is you take a chocolate heart that Harry brought for Sybil and you bring it to Jurgen's alchemy machine, which he just sort of has on the side. And you can turn that chocolate heart into a gold heart, which is uh, what romantics seem to enjoy people having. How very specific and convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only <laughs> chapter that's open in Jurgen's alchemy book. Chocolate into gold. Just what you need. Uh, so once Sybil actually falls in love with Jurgen's monster, she realizes, no, I have a soulmate, and it was Abraham Lincoln's head, so I need to go dump Jurgen's monster immediately and go find Abraham Lincoln's head. Uh, I think she should have stuck with the monster. Yeah, same here. That guy, he's, Abraham he's so Lincoln, much... he sucks. Yeah, this monster is a stand-up guy. Um, uh, he, yeah, he's a stand-up guy, and Abraham Lincoln's head can't even stand up, because it's just a head. So, <laughs> hey. You only ever see it sort of sitting. Oh, Would the you monster? call that That's sitting? True. He's more like laying on a slab. Wait, 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 no, I meant Abraham Lincoln's head. Oh, Abraham Lincoln's head. Uh... Would you call that sitting? Um... I guess that's your only option. I guess your other thing is, <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess the other option is, oh look, Abe's over here, over there, uh, just being on the chair. True. Yeah, he's just being. He's just <laughs> being around. He is just existing on top of that chair over there. Yeah. Um. Abraham Lincoln is, or or the head of Abraham Lincoln is now in Stinky's diner, and he just stays there the whole time. This is the second straight episode in this season where he is in Stinky's Diner the whole time. That's just uh, where he goes. That's just where he is. And he oh, even yeah, because he was there in the first episode. Yeah, and he even has a place at the diner reserved just for him because he always sits in the same chair. Well, to be fair, I don't think anyone else was there. 
Yeah, and I don't. Think I don't think anyone, anyone else... was fighting over that chair. <laughs> I I wouldn't fight the head of Abraham Lincoln over a chair. I'd let him yeah. have it. Yeah, he, I mean, you freed the slaves. He... <laughs> yeah, he's not being great now, but he's done other good things. <laughs> <laughs> he's not being great now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so once you get Sybil out of the office, the office is empty, so you can just take her soul mater, bring it to where your souls are, because they don't want to join back up with you. They hate you. They've had it with real, with dead Sam and Max. Yeah, they've been ignoring their souls for way too long. Uh, but the soul mater can force them back together, uh, at which point a boss battle sort of thing with Jurgen is triggered, where you actually need to kill yourselves again. And get your souls out of your body and put them in the monster who, because he has Jesse James's hand, is fast enough to stab a stake into the heart of Jurgen. This took me a while to figure out. I didn't remember how you did this. And I, I didn't figure it out until I was like, well, I've tried everything else. Why not use the soul mater with uh, the monster? And then it worked. Yeah. Um, I like that ending. It's a cool yeah. ending. I agree. I, I think um, this is a very good standalone episode of Sam and Max. So, like, if you were to show someone... Kind of like how episode four of the last season was. Um, just a very good, like, one-off, one-specific episode of Sam and Max. Uh, you could give to a new player. It would work out well. I I feel like we've had a couple of those this season. I feel like this one and Ice Station Santa both work for that exact purpose. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I stationed Santa especially because that's the beginning of a of an arc. Yeah, but this one doesn't have anything where, like, if you play it, you wouldn't know what's going on. Yeah, um, I think altogether, I would rank this episode really highly, but I, I agree with you that, like, I didn't exactly take away a lot of really iconic moments compared to things like I stationed Santa... Or Abraham Lincoln Must Die, or Reality 2.0. Like, it, it, I, it may not be on, on that, like, top, top, top level, but it's it's close. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about it, because I do really like this episode, and I think it has a lot going for it. I think it's just because... Maybe it's Jurgen. Maybe Jurgen, just because he's not... He doesn't feel like that big a threat. Okay. Which, which is weird, which is weird because this whole episode, he's like, he's too fast for you. He sucks the blood out of you. He he does a lot that can set you back. He kills you. He yeah. kills Sam and he's the only person who's managed to kill Sam and Max. So maybe I'm wrong about this, but he comes across to me as a very fun, enjoyable character that Maybe it is just because he feels like a standalone one-shot guy rather than contributing to the overall theme of the season, which also, I was just thinking about it. I know this season kind of has a theme, but I feel like the theme in the first season is a little stronger with the hypnosis. Like right. that's a through that's a through line that carries over through like every single episode. This one not so much, but I I'm not sure if I consider consider that a good or a bad thing. Because that means they don't have to tie themselves down to it. They can just do these standalone episodes like Ice Station Santa or uh, Night of the Raving Dead. So maybe it gives them a little more freedom. 
Yeah, so something that's going to come up in the next episode that we'll talk about later, uh, we, we'll save that this discussion, but I do want to touch on it a little bit, is that every episode so far in Season 2 has had a moment where someone says the phrase, Happy Birthday, and then a mariachi guy from out of nowhere says, Did somebody say birthday? And then he plays a little birthday song, and then leaves, and then it's not addressed at all. <laughs> this is the third instance of that, and if if... That is almost this season's version of the hypnosis arc in the first season. But I guess yeah. it's um I guess it's that that's talking about motifs versus themes, because a motif would be something, I think, like the hypnosis thing, where that is a thing that shows up every time, where um theming not in terms of literary themes, because that's a different story altogether, but theming for episodes of a show or game would be about um tone Mm -hmm. so i i don't think season one had much of a unified theme at all um but it did have the motif the recurring motif of the hypnosis where season two does seem to have a theme where where each um each episode here seems to be based on um a, a holiday or holiday-ing, uh, or, or something like that, where there is no very strong recurring motif to actually bring the plots of the episodes together. And in that way, it feels... I think it feels a little less strong, a little less like a cohesive unit than season one did, but also the episodes themselves, except for Moai uh, Better Blues, are probably better on average. Yeah. I think so. I would say it's kind of weird because we were talking about how strong the last few episodes of season one are. Thinking about it now, I wonder if I would prefer these episodes so far, Ice Station Santa and Night of the Raving Dead. Just because, like I know earlier I said maybe Night of the Raving Dead isn't quite up at the top, but thinking about it again, maybe it might be for me just because it has so much. It has... It has you becoming zombies. It has Jurgen. It has the monster and and Sybil dating. Uh, it has a lot of things you remember, but I I think I would still put it below Ice Station Santa and and Reality Two Point I think. I think that's fair. Uh, I. After our last episode where we discussed the possibility that Moai Better Blues might be, in fact, the worst episode of Telltale Salmon Max, uh, I looked up online to see, A, which episodes are considered the worst, and it's uh, Culture Shock and Moai Better Blues, and which ones are considered the best. And I found one website that did a top 10 um, episodes in the, the Pantheon, of Sam and Max episodes. All three seasons? All three seasons. And there, uh, after Moai Better Blues, after our last episode, um, there are eight more episodes of Sam and Max. Three from this season, which we just covered one of, and then five from season three. When you say it like that, it feels like we're <laughs> winding down. It feels like there's barely any left. Yeah, I well, we're around the halfway point. We are... We just did the halfway episode of the halfway season. That's true. Yeah. Um, but the top ten out of those eight that we haven't done yet, 
All eight were present, and only two of them we had done so far. Wow. Which ones? Um, Reality 2.0 and Abraham Lincoln Must Die. Interesting. Yeah, those are good picks. Those are both the ones I said. Yeah, those are the ones we liked the most. Um, I I put Ice Station Santa. I personally put Ice Station Santa around that level as well. Same. On, on that top level. But I'm also very into Christmassy things, so maybe I'm biased. But that means, and, and both of those levels, or, or episodes, by the way, were not very high on that top ten list. So everything <laughs> from here on out, <laughs> according to that one article I found, is just better and better. It's it's uh, purporting to say. Ooh, I'm I'm getting excited. That sent some uh, some goosebumps all around my arms. Did it really? No, but oh come on, man! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, you, don't I should have checked before I said it. You should have at least lied when I said, "Did it really?" <laughs> <laughs> Did it really? Yes, said Dustin, <laughs> winking at the camera. Uh, does your memory of the later half of season two and season three line up with that? Um, I gotta be honest, I don't remember anything about these next two episodes of season two. Well, I I remember some stuff. I I remember, like, characters showing up. I remember, like, what they're about. But, um, I don't remember, like, any puzzles in any of them. I remember one puzzle in i think next episode and uh i I remember i think i remember more from episode five than i do of this next one okay but yeah this next one i barely remember anything other than uh bosco plays a big part in it yeah bosco plays uh quite a large part we haven't seen him at all this episode first episode in the entire uh, series where we don't meet up with Bosco. I think that's totally fine because we had more time with uh, Sybil in her office this time. Yeah, it was it was Sybil heavier, and Sybil has been pretty light comparatively this season. Although yeah. both of them have really taken a step back to the new characters in, uh, like Santa Claus and Jurgen, and I guess the babies on Rapanui, but I don't like them. i i think it's fine considering last season you went like every episode you went to sybils and bosco so they had a part in every single episode so i think it's fine to kind of downplay them a little bit and focus more on the like in now you have the cops in every episode you can talk to the cops and uh stinky every episode and that's great We, we we have such an expanded cast for sam and max now so with this episode, we've now done nine episodes of Sam and Max, and we have uh, seven remaining. So we're, so we're, we're over, the, over halfway. We are over the halfway point. I guess before this episode, we were um, eight and eight. That's crazy. It, it really doesn't feel like it. Like, it feels like we have yeah. so much more to go. But then when you say it out loud, no, you only have so many episodes left. Yeah, I think the, um, I don't know how to say this, maybe the stage presence of each episode in Devil's Playhouse is so much larger than everything that came before it. Uh, the fact that it's only five episodes is less important than just the scale of the thing. I guess that's true. Season three feels very big, and I'm very looking forward to it. 
I'm really looking forward to it. It might be a little while until we get to it, though, uh, because we've scheduled some other things to come before it, which we'll talk about at a later date. I'm on the edge of my seat. Do you have goosebumps this time? No, I'm not going to lie to you this God time. God damn I am it. on the edge of okay, my seat. Okay, let's go into our segments. <laughs> uh, Dustin, linguistic gymnastics. What lines you got? Linguistic gymnastics. So when we started this episode, before we started recording, I said I didn't have that many. But looking back at it, I do have a pretty good uh, amount. Um, Let's see, where's my favorite one? Um, so one of my favorites is when they're doing the, uh, when they're doing the, uh, poetry, they're doing the, uh, goth poetry to look cool in front of the zombies. And Sam has his banjo out. Max says, what's with the banjo? And Sam says, I'm going for Southern Gothic. Yeah, that's a good joke. (laughs) Um, let's see. I know I had a few. Uh, (laughs) A lot of uh, Buster Blasters lines are very funny in this episode. He has one where he says, uh, I'm fine, Sam. Haddock is is the best kind of fish. I'm fine, Sam. (laughs) I'm glad that you have this. uh, You you have a very good voice for uh, Buster Blaster. Thank you. I can't do the screaming one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't either. I, I live in an apartment. I would get people mad at me. Yeah, well, I have an opera coming up, so. (laughs) That's true. Um, (laughs) another one from, uh, Buster Blaster, uh, the line itself isn't funny, but the way he says it is very funny. He says, I like wearing short pants. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh, one I like is when they're in, um, Sybil's office and you go to her closet and Sam says, um, I'm not going back in that closet. Not after all we've accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think that actually is available in, like, episode six of season one as well. Oh, I guess I just didn't hear it, but it made me it made me laugh very hard. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I think I have one more. Let me see. Oh, <laughs> this this one. No, two more. Two more. I'm sorry. So one is when you're doing the recording for Midtown Cowboys and you're just walking around the set and there's a cactus on the shelf in back. And if you click on it, Sam says, because we're supposed to be cowboys, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and then my last one I'll do is when you're in uh, Stinky's Diner and uh, there's a pie under glass. Oh, I wrote this one down, too. Oh, I'll let you do it. I already did a bunch. I'll let you say. No, no, no you can do it. <laughs> no, I'll switch to a different one. You can, okay. you can do it. Uh, <laughs> another one was uh, when you're talking to one of the zombies. Um, one of the zombies that was eating the brain you put up in the gargoyle. Uh, the zombie says, "From now on, we only eat them from high up gargoyles, like American style." I wrote that one down too. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's I'll great. You have the pie one. You go ahead with yours. I'm I'm glad that we were on the same wavelength with those. Um, <laughs> the the pie in Stinky's diner. Uh, if you examine it, Sam just says it's just a pie. It's not something you really talk about. <laughs> uh, which is one of the many great lines that Sam has excusing himself 
from actually commenting on an item that you click on. <laughs> it's not really something you talk about. Uh, my favorite line in the episode is from Jürgen when he's explaining the popularity of Midtown Cowboys in Germany. He says, uh, All the young people in the gymnasium wear the shirts which say, You probably hide the cow. <laughs> you uh, probably hide the cow. You probably hide the cow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great uh, we should get shirts that say that we, we should get shirts that say you probably hide the cow <laughs> um, when you're talking to Harry about his dislike of zombies he explains that he mostly doesn't like them because they break everything and he says zombies are why we can't have nice things uh, I thought that was pretty funny yeah I like that Everyone, no one here likes zombies, but the reason they don't like zombies is never that they eat brains and kill people. It, it's just that they're not great. Yeah, they just break they're things. Annoying. Yeah, they break things. They're why we can't have nice things. Yeah, they've turned the dislike of uh, zombies from an actual, like, responsible fear into an irrational fear of otherness, similar to racism. And I'm not exactly sure what, if they're trying to comment on anything with that. Uh, it's just sort of a weird thing. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's very funny. It's it's funny to watch Harry get outed as a zombie racist and have to quietly, like, sadly walk out of Sybil's office that, and heart. That was one of the scenes that I remembered so vividly back when I first played it, even today. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I specifically remembered the scene with Harry Mullman getting kicked out of Sybil's and just no music and everyone staring at him. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, there there's a an end credit scene uh, right before the end credits. We This is not part of the segment, but uh, I, feel, I feel like we should bring this up. Right before the end credits, uh, Flint Paper comes up to Sam and says, Oh, Sam, it's good. It's you. Bosco's vanished off the face of the earth, and then <gasps> I guess that's a that's a jump scare. But I uh, <laughs> I feel like oh yeah okay <laughs> would be my reaction at this point in their adventures. That's that's not like the biggest deal that Bosco has vanished. Yeah, that would just it'd be like oh okay yeah that makes sense. Yeah, uh, but then also there's a post credit scene, and maybe I I'm pretty sure I've been sticking around for all of the post credits. I've just let the credits roll all the way through every time. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first one I've seen. So maybe have there been others or is this the first one that they did? Yeah, we talked about the post credit scene last week where the it? Moai heads are taken out oh, from the ground. Oh, you're right. That was after the credits, wasn't it? I, I don't know if there was one in the first episode, though. I don't think there was. So in this case, uh, they're playing on the fact that when Sam's uh, soul got reconnected to his body he just sort of threw the soul mater away and max couldn't get it so max is actually stuck <laughs> as a zombie for a little bit and they just do a joke with uh max giving like a press uh conference as the president of the united states but he's still a zombie and he goes ah. yeah he does say yeah that's yeah, good. this this is it, it's a fun little scene. It doesn't really add it doesn't hint at what's coming next like the Moai heads. But, uh, you know, you're basically getting an, another little scene for free afterwards anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this was something that they wanted to work into the episode and couldn't find a place for it. Yeah, so they just said, well, we'll just do a little thing after the credits. So thank you. 
Telltale. Yeah. Um, also, something I should have said earlier and didn't was that this episode was released on February 12th of 2008, only one month after the Moai Better Blues. Yeah, so you all listening can put your pitchforks down, okay? Yeah, We'd, we said we, the release date. We got to it. What were you doing in February of 2008? Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> good question. Probably nothing. Um, <laughs> okay. I think I, <laughs> I was I a freshman in high school. See, I was already out of high school, so I have no idea what I would have been doing. I guess just drawing, watching TV, maybe? Sure. I don't even remember if I played this season, like, right as the episodes were coming out. I don't, man, I don't remember if I, like, waited and played them afterwards. I, I feel like I might have played it, like, right when the season ended. I think I played this one a few months after it came out, but not too much longer. Um, and so second half of my first year of high school, I was in the drum line. I played cymbals. Um, I felt a lot of sexual frustration. That's cool. Yeah. No, just, just freshman <laughs> high school stuff. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Just really, really tearing it up out there. Mitch, I never knew that about you. You really played the cymbals? I really played the cymbals in a drum line. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. We learn something new about each other every day. Yeah, I, I shouldn't tell you all of the secrets about me in once, so I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> It'll be like a little game. Yeah, uh, our next segment is the Potent Pickup, where we talk about our favorite inventory item from this episode. Mine is totally... Jesse James's hand. Oh, f- that was mine. <laughs> no, it's fine that it's the same. It definitely deserves to be Jesse James's hand. Yeah, this is the one... This episode didn't really have that many crazy pickups, but this one, this one really stands out. It's a good one, right? I I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it helps that you have that connection to it because it's just always been on their wall since Hit the Road. Yeah. I wonder if we should do a Hit the Road episode at some point. I'd love to do a Hit the Road episode. I would like to do it. Yeah. I know it's not Telltale, but it still relates to it, so... I want to do all the special episodes, but they slow us down. Yeah, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we shouldn't be racing to the end of this 140-episode project. Yeah, we're going to be done with Sam and Max soon anyway. How about this? How about since we're putting off Devil's Playhouse for a little bit, why don't we put Hit the Road somewhere before it? Huh, okay. Um, we can... Just, just because we're gonna have a pretty big gap in terms of Sam and Max content. Or we can do it after. Yeah, maybe maybe we do it whenever we figure out how we can play This Time It's Virtual, and we can do the two other Sam and Max games at once, and, and sort That's of cover, cover the non-Telltale aspects of their uh, video game history. Some Sam and Max on the side. Yeah, Sam and Max on the side is my favorite Sam and Max video game. <laughs> that would be a good title. Um, yeah, Jesse James's hand is the one. It's uh, it tries to kill Stinky in her diner, which um, I think we all sort of applaud it for. Although we can't let it happen. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, and the Weekly Guy, where we talk about our favorite character of this episode. Dustin, what's yours? 
I'm so on the fence because I have two, so I'm trying to narrow it down. So why don't you say yours first, and then I uh, I will make my choice depending on what you say. So I was I was tempted to pick Jurgen. Mm. I think Jurgen makes a really strong uh, single episode appearance in this game. It's great. I like uh, I, li- I like everything that he's doing here. It's it's a it's a very funny character. It's a, a fun villain for Sam and Max. I, yeah. I, I think it's just a funny guy in general. Jurgen's great. I did write down, though, Sybil. Interesting. Okay, I, cool. I thought this go was in, a strong Sybil episode. Nice, nice. Her trying to find her, uh, like her own boyfriend via a lottery process on a dating show-like thing is very her character. It's written very well. Uh, I love... How disappointed in Harry she gets. It's so funny. (laughs) She's so legit disappointed in him. I expected better from you. Like, she's... (laughs) That's more mean than you've ever heard Sybil be ever. Um, Yeah, it's great. And uh, I I think this might be one of the strongest Sybil episodes in the series. Agreed. Um, Because after this, she kind of takes a backseat, too. I forget if... I don't think she's in the next one but it's been a long time i think she might be in the last episode of the season but yeah after that her her presence is pretty uh downplayed so it's nice she gets some time to kind of be at the forefront a little bit yeah uh who's your weekly guy okay so i'm going to say jurgen <laughs> jurgen is good it's it's funny because that's not what i had written down in my notes so this is a very last second change it's not uh, important, so that's yeah. fine. Jurgen, uh, his voice performance is so good. He's such an entertaining character. He has some very funny lines. Like you said, he's just like an interesting new addition to Sam and Max's uh, rogues gallery. Yeah. He could totally have shown up in the, the comic and yeah. would feel very at home there. Exactly. He has a good theme to him where he he is a vampire, but he's not just a vampire. He's a vampire with a twist. Yeah. And that twist is that he's uh, this annoyingly hip uh, guy. Yeah. With nipple rings, even. Who is the other character? My other character that I almost said was the monster. Right. Okay. Yeah, the monster is good. I thought you would like the monster. He's very likable. And I had him down at the end, but just talking about Jurgen in this episode just made me remember. You sold me. You made me change him when you said when you reminded me of uh, you probably hides a cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, he he has another funny line that I left out of my linguistic gymnastics because uh, he gets very serious about Mister Featherly. Uh, so he's just talking about how much he likes the show, and then. Uh, he gets very serious, and he says, Herr Featherly's world is eternal confusion and pain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that uh, Sam brings up the fact that they've only been watching the same one episode over and over again. You already know all the jokes. And then Jurgen uh, explains that every time, Herr Featherly brings a little something new to the episode. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't. <laughs> he, he he doesn't. But also, it's as a person who was episode. once on a podcast where we watched the movie Mean Girls two thirty times in a row, 
um, <laughs> I relate to this. I think that you kind of get it. You kind of notice like uh, yeah, different things. Yeah, in in Mean Girls too, which um, a lot of actors are not bringing their best performance. Uh, one of my new favorite actresses, Bethany Ann Lind, who played the character Quinn Shin, I felt like she was bringing something new every time. <laughs> At least after so you, the first you... five viewings where you start to go numb to it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're kind of uh, looking as close as possible for anything new to stand out. Yeah, she might watch, uh, listen to this podcast because she follows me on Twitter. Although, oh, nice. I bet Hello. she doesn't. Probably not. But... <laughs> probably not. But she has been made aware of this podcast, probably. So there's that. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, uh, Mitch can relate to this cartoon chicken. Yeah, I can relate to, well, I can relate to Jurgen and his feelings on oh, the cartoon chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, chicken yeah, yeah, yeah. By way of you, Bethany. Uh, I'm Thanks. I'm sorry, because that probably doesn't, that's not actually a compliment now that I think about it. <laughs> But uh, you were good in that movie. Anyway, she was also briefly <laughs> in Stranger Things. So that's a thing. Oh, she uh, moved on up. Do we have a weekly un-guy? Um, honestly, guy? I, would, I, would, I would probably just say Lincoln again. Lincoln again. He's just a jerk good. in this. Ep- like, he's not as bad as he was in the last episode. But, you know, I feel like most of the characters were pretty on point this episode. I don't like Mr. Featherly. And how You're not a big it... fan of Mr. Featherly? No, I think Mr. Featherly was a, was a big asshole this episode. <laughs> he really sold out. Yeah, he was uh, just mean to everyone and acted like he was the star of the show. He is definitely not the star of... Well, he's the one who kind of caught on. He's the one who sells posters yeah, he's... for like thousands of dollars of just his beak. He's the Urkel of Midtown Cowboys. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be the main character, but he became it. He was the breakout star. Yeah. Um, I I feel like it probably should have been Bessie. Bessie was not pulling her weight this week either. You're right. She could be our weekly un-guy. <laughs> Unweekly guy. No, she really Bess- didn't Bessie do that was much. Fine. Bessie was fine. Yeah, she did what she was needed. Um, I guess... I didn't love Super Bowl this episode, actually. I thought this was a weak Super Bowl appearance. He didn't really have much reason to be there, and he didn't have much reason to be at the dating show. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that he's into Sybil. Yeah, me neither. I wonder if uh, the divorce just hit him hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Okay, contextualizing it like that makes me like him a lot more, actually. <laughs> um, so I, glad I'll, I could help. I'll stick with my original choice of Mr. Featherly being my okay. unweekly guy. Yeah, I think I would like Superball a little more than Mr. Featherly. Yeah. And I respect your choice of Abraham Lincoln's head. That's that's very true. He continues to suck. I wonder if this is... I don't remember anything else with Abe Lincoln's head after this. Um, I remember I... one appearance beyond okay, this. Okay. Just one. There might be more. But this is what I remember. I guess remember. we'll see, and we'll see if he can uh, clean up his act a little bit. Yeah, we'll see in our next episode where we cover 204, Chariots of the Dogs, which on a lot of those lists I found ranking the Sam and Max episodes, this was always really high. It's 
it's interesting because I remember what this episode's about, but if you were to read that title, you would not. <laughs> right. Chariots of the Dogs is not, like, it, it actually has nothing to do with the episode <laughs> itself. Um, but yeah, this was like number three, and the only two above it were both from season three. Interest. This one was that high up? Wow. Yeah, really high. Um, I'm so. looking forward to it. Yeah, I I don't remember it very well, so I'm excited to see it, and I hope that I feel the same way. Me too. I also feel that way. Okay, well, until next time, it's been great talking with you, Dustin. Hey, it's always a pleasure. See you later. Bye! Benang! <laughs>